Big Ten Backers Podcast. This is your podcast for Big Ten football or anything college football related. From Jim Harbaugh's shirtless escapades to Brett Billima's hog-sized waistline with Ryan Day's beard dye and anything else in between. Big Ten Backers has the headlines from around the college football landscape. Oh, hey there, Big Ten Backers. This is your host, AJ, with Buckeye Steve. We just call him Top Beef. Grab a beer. We'll put college football in your ear. Let's rock and roll. I got mine. Beef. Let's talk about those big-ass dump trucks. Let's get into that. Backers, big one. Number 13, LSU. And number 20, Ole Miss. The Rebels outlast the Tigers. 55 to 49. Wayne Kiffin and Old Miss ends the playoff hunt for Brian Kelly's Tigers, handing them their second loss before October even begins. It's a damn shame. Ouch. Like I said, Beef, in the pre matchup, the defense was optional, not even optional. It was non existent in this one. There was 1,343 combined total yards between these two. Good lord. Well, that offense was more rizzed up than the Riz man himself, Coach O. There were 65 first downs, 104 total points. This was just tits. Anybody got a dollar for this show? Beef, both those quarterbacks were electric. What do you got on them? Man, you called it first of all, AJ. You said this was going to be a no defensive game, and it was perfectly a no defense game. Did the SEC just become the Big 12? There was one good defensive play. It was the very end of the game for them to knock down that ball and win. But Jaden Daniels, he's tied for second in passing TDs. Guess who he's tied with? The Phoenix, of course, at 16 TDs on the year, just behind the old Heisman and maybe the Heisman again, Caleb Williams, who has 21, by the way. Ole Miss had 706 yards of total offense, making that the second most in SEC history. Like you said, the total yardage for the game, 1,343, but there were 104 points in that game. Iowa couldn't put up those numbers against air. I mean, seriously, I don't think they could actually put up those amount of numbers against air. Are we sure the defensive staff even counted the number of players a la Freeman and Notre Dame? Speaking of Freeman and Notre Dame, man, number 11 Notre Dame was in town in Durham against the number 17 Duke Devils, but the Catholics exercised those blue Devils 21 to 14. Freeman gets redemption in Durham, getting a comeback victory of his own in similar fashion to the loss he took last week at the hands of the Buckeyes. This was game day's first ever trip to Durham, at least for football. They've been there a lot for basketball, the old round ball. A solid defense was showing on both sides. It's definitely more of a bend-don't-break style. Field goal misses plunge the Blue Devils to their defeat. Irish looked to run away early, but the Devils reeled them in in the second half and took a lead late. And then some heroics by Hartman. 45 seconds left, 4th and 16. Hartman goes running for the first down. And gets it this time. Boy, did they need him to get that first down. Boy, did they need this win. And he was awesome on that final drive. I got to give some more credit to Hartman. Unlike this show, he was a class act waiting to shake the hands of Duke QB Leonard, who went down on their final drive to try to take back the lead. Beeb, what you got on this game? They were down 13-0 at half. It looked like Notre Dame was going to run away with it. But man, Leonard and his you suck mom. I don't know if you guys have heard that story, but. His mom tells him every day before a game, you suck. 
just to try to keep them grounded, keep them focused. She went around on game day, handing out you suck bracelets to the game day crew, which is kind of interesting, you know, something different. That's for sure. But yeah, down 13-0. His mom probably texted him, you suck, got them all motivated, comes back. They're leading the game. And like you said, Hartman just goes all Superman on us. First, there was a third and 10. He throws for it. Then Hartman, who's not known for running at all. I mean, I don't I don't know that I've ever seen him run 16 yards before this game. Fourth and 16, wide open, just takes it, man. Takes what the defense gives him. Just pulls, like you said, the same type of show that they got defeated by the week prior. They do the same thing to Duke, man. This is kind of, it kind of breaks my heart because it was like a Cinderella story that I wanted to see Duke to win. But I also want Notre Dame to look good, you know. And I, d- I think they deserve it. I think they're a good team. So if they would have lost this game, it would have made them look a lot worse than they really are. They're a great team. They hung in there with Ohio State well, just barely lost. Losing those games just as a football player, as that mentality comes out, it kind of stinks to lose a quarterback for Duke at the very end of the game like that. Wow, that stinks. I mean, because he was having a hell of a season. Again, a Cinderella story in its own right. It was fun to watch. I hope he's back out there. It didn't look like he necessarily broke anything from the gruesomeness of the injury at all, but high ankle sprain at least. Maybe four to six weeks, he'll be back. You're right. Hartman again shows the class of Notre Dame. And we saw that class while we were there. The fans were absolutely full of class. I mean, our interview we had with a Notre Dame fan afterwards complete class even in defeat even in you know the emotional lows of that defeat just nothing but class awesome experience all around i used to hate notre dame because of that brian kelly videographer that he supposedly forced to go up in high winds ended up dying ended up falling off the scissor lift so who knows if that story is actually true the class that's shown by notre dame makes them a little bit higher up there in my book and they're gonna have a great season let's see what happens when they face usc and some of the other people on their schedule. Right on, Beef. I got to give you crap, man. Got to give you some crap. I know you tried to pull back on this, but you called it at the beginning of the season. You said Kansas was going to win the Big 12. They went out to Texas against these number three Longhorns, and boy, did they get bullied. They got bullied 40 to 14. It's a damn shame. Did to defend you a little bit. Jalon Daniels did not play in this game. And he was probably the only chance I had to pull in this upset. But man, it looks like Texas is back because these are the kind of games they usually lose. Next week's the Red River rivalry, man. And Texas can run. They can pass. They're clicking on all cylinders right now. 661 total yards in this game. 6.6 per rush. Jayhawks could not handle this Longhorn and tapped out in the third quarter pretty much. Beeb, you got anything? Yeah, like I've previously said, this Texas team is good. And they're good where it counts and not where you're thinking. In the trenches, baby. Those big boys up front, they're the men. And it shows. It's showing on a different level. They're doing their jobs and they're doing it well. This team is legit, man. But they've had a tougher schedule than most to this point. Wyoming is kind of a scary sleeper. They're 4-1 and one right now with their only loss coming to Texas. They beat Texas Tech at home and they beat Appalachian State. And that team was returning the fourth most production from last season. So it, it's a good team. And a lot of people were questioning why it was a little close with Wyoming in the beginning. It's because it's a good team. It's a solid team. The team stats are just behind Georgia in almost every category, but Georgia hasn't played anyone to date. No one at all. Auburn is their best game, right? It's a little scary. We'll see what happens. Right now, Texas is 17th in offensive yardage per game at 478. Point four, right behind Georgia, 
who's 16th. They're 13th in points per game allowed by their defense at 12.8, just in front of Georgia. They're 17th in yards per game allowed at 290. Defense is allowing 290 yards a game, again, just behind Georgia. So their stats are a little deflated. Once they get into some games after Oklahoma, I believe some of those stats will actually rise them up a little bit, whereas Georgia's may trend down if they get any competition. Anyway, Texas has a big game this week, the Red River Rivalry. It's awesome. But after this game, if they win this game, they'll almost coast into the playoffs, man. Their schedule is not terribly difficult after that. I mean, they still have some tough teams like Kansas State and other teams like that in the Big 12. Let's talk about a future Big 12 team. Southern Cal, number eight, traveled on out to Boulder and the Trojans pulled out 48 to 41. Talk about this game a little bit because some people said USC almost got upset and they didn't just pull it out, man. They went to sleep. Let's not act like Colorado was in a position of upset here. USC went up 34 to 14 at halftime. They got bored with the buffs, fell asleep, and then the buffs sneaked it back in. That's all that really happened here. It wasn't a close upset. This wasn't the Georgia-Auburn game. Well, Auburn had the lead most of the game all the way into the fourth quarter. This was just Trojans got up big. They went to sleep and then they almost got got. But anytime you depend on an unsight kick to even tie the game, it's not that close. But Grinch, man, I'm telling you, man, it's Achilles Hill, these Trojans. He's going to be a reason why Caleb doesn't get a, in the playoffs and win a championship. It's a damn shame. USC needs to move on from Grinch. Like he's done. He's got to be done this year. But anyways, beef, total of thousand yards between these two teams in this one. What you got? Man, some of that scheme at the end of the game, you got to change the way you do things on offense to protect your defense, especially if it's the weak point of the game. You got to slow down the clock. You got to manage the clock. And I don't think that's something Riley's willing to do. He just wants to go, 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 go. And that's sometimes where the headstrongness of a coach outweighs the common sense of a normal person. You know, I need to do it my way. I'm doing it my way, no matter what, no matter what, no matter what. The stubbornness sets in. And holds people back sometimes. I mean, we saw it with other coaches in the past. And I think that's Riley's Achilles heel himself. He doesn't know when to slow down and just take advantage of the clock. In Colorado's defense, you know, being without Travis Hunter is huge. It affects them not just on one side of the ball, but both sides of the ball. He's the best player on both sides of the ball. If you take the best player off of both sides of the ball on any team, they're going to struggle, man. Think of any team, any team you want to take the best player off of both sides of the ball, you know, save the quarterback. They're going to struggle. I agree. He wasn't a Heisman candidate before he went down for no reason. I mean, that dude's talented beyond belief. So Colorado's going to whoop up on some teams. They definitely have their holes, but they have grit. They have determination and they got the prime, baby. Special delivery. It's prime. The problem is, is teams are going to find holes they like and they're going to take advantage. Said every man in this world. <laughs> well, anyways, beef. I think that about does it for these big-ass dump trucks. Let's go ahead and get into the Big Ten games. I'm with you. Let's go. Big Ten Roundup. Week five. Reaction time, baby. We had our Midwest Corn Fest. More like Snooze Fest, huh? It was a Snooze Fest. We had a hard time picking a Midwest Corn Fest game of the week. That's how bad it was. Number two, Michigan. Went out to Lincoln. Played Nebraska. Wolverines decorn the Huskers 45 to 7. Michigan dominates in their first road game. Nebraska isn't a great opponent, but they still dominated them on the road nonetheless. Wolverines ran through these Nebraska cornfields like a combine for 249 total rushing yards and had 26 first downs. 
to Nebraska's 10. That's pretty much the game. Wolverines were also efficient on third and fourth down. If it wasn't for Nebraska's wide receiver fleet taking one run for 74 yards and a TD, Michigan might have pitched a shutout. Michigan and Oregon seem to be the most complete team so far this year, Beef. Yeah, dude. I thought Nebraska would keep this close. But man, was I wrong. I was off on that. In retrospect, Nebraska has some matchup issues going against Michigan. You're not going to run it down Michigan's throat. Not without a solid passing game. Not without something to spread out that defense a little bit. I mean, you can't beat Michigan at what Michigan wants to do. A road trip for Michigan and demolishing their foe is exactly what you want to see out of a national title contender team. They have not been challenged yet. So I thought maybe them going on the road, they might have a little slip up or play down or do kind of like Penn State did and get started slowly. Not the case with Michigan, man. I agree. Michigan and Oregon, those comments are valid. They are both looking like complete teams. Still like to see them against quality part of their schedule, which they both have really coming up soon. Michigan is allowing six points per game. Now, obviously, that's overinflated with cupcakes, but impressive nonetheless. They're seventh in yards allowed by this defense. They've allowed 1,229 yards this season. Not a whole lot. Not at all. They're definitely doing what they're supposed to do against these trash teams. And that's all you can do. Let's get to some of this other big on big action. We had number six, Penn State. They got 41. Northwestern's 13. Beef, we were in attendance for this game, along with the other five Northwestern fans that showed up. James Franklin had his team prepare for this road match by not letting any music play during practice. He did that all week so they wouldn't be dependent on the crowd for energy. That was a good call because that place and that environment was trash. Just like the stadium, trash. It's a good thing they're building a new one. I mean, that was a shit performance by the fan base. You could probably count how many tailgates they were. So I'll give it to the student section. They were there. But outside of that, snooze fest by that Northwestern fan base. But Northwestern had a great plan in this game. And they they kind of took it to Penn State in the first half. Eventually, the talent of Penn State took over the game, mostly because of Northwestern not being able to get fourth down conversions. But Beef, you were there. You saw Penn State pull away late. You saw the fourth down attempts by Northwestern. You got anything to add? Yeah, man. This was a different level of boring for a college football environment that I've been to, at least. Outside of the stadium, it was kind of fun and energetic. But man, once you got in there, just seeing the rust on the stairways leading up to the stands, it was just an awful eyesore, man. Paint was peeling. It looked terrible. It's a damn shame. Yeah, and I'm glad that they are building a new stadium, but it can't be done soon enough. There's way too much money in the Big Ten to have deferred maintenance on your stadium. Come on. The 11 a.m. kickoff was kind of weird. After talking to Nicholas Singleton's brother after the game while he was standing next to his mom, they were waiting you know, for him to come out, get out of the locker room. I talked to him and he thought maybe they were just kind of playing down to the competition. So they started off slow. I, I don't know if it was because of them going for fourth downs because Penn State, they scored 17 unanswered points in the third quarter. Kind of already started to break away before Northwestern was really starting to go for it on fourth downs in the fourth quarter. But Penn State's defensive line started just showing out. They were getting through that line so quick, they could not keep them at bay. I mean, it was like, hide your kids, hide your mama, hide your wife, because they were coming for you. Penn State starts off slow, but finishes strong, just like every lady wants. They did commit their first turnover of the year, though. But the offense 
still has not yet committed a turnover. That turnover was on special teams on the kickoff from Nicholas Singleton. And that's what really spurred Northwestern to get excited about the game. The one time we heard the crowd go wild. Yeah, no doubt about that. I got to give a little shout out to the Penn State Painters out there. Y'all made the tailgate super fun. You guys are so fun. We had to interview you twice. Wanted to mention y'all, give you a little shout out. Hopefully we'll see you in Happy Valley. You're absolutely right about that, man. They were a blast, fun to hang out with. I really hope we can make it there to go to a game at Penn State just to hang out with them a little bit more. Check out their tailgate. That sounds fun. It does. The best thing about what we do is we get to travel every weekend to a football game and and meet cool people like these guys. Man, they were a good one. Well, let's get into that Indiana-Maryland game. The Terps go all who's your daddy on Indiana 44-17. to Terps came out hot, scored 21 in the first. They had 472 total yards through the air for Maryland. They racked up some sky miles, boy. They're flying to their next trip for free. Tom Allen's users got caught with their pants down and nothing to brag about. This offense of Indiana, they must have borrowed Brian Ferenc's playbook. Hey, Tom, give it back. It sucks. <laughs> this offense sucks. Give it back to Brian. Beef, you got anything? Yeah, they've pulled up Pee Wee Herman in the theater. Caught with their pants down. Yeah, I, I believe that they probably at least share schematic secrets with each other. I mean, once Brian gets terminated from his contract because he's not getting that 25 points a game, they're going to pick him up as offensive coordinator there at Indiana. Maryland is scary, dude. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The rest of the country is going to see that. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's a few weeks down the line. But they're going to knock off one of the big three in the Big Ten. I'm calling it. You heard it here first. Maryland will beat either Ohio State, Penn State, or Michigan. Mark my words. Call me out if I'm wrong, because obviously you got to give me shit for that stupid comment if I am wrong, but it's going to happen. I think they look as good as you think they do because the Big Ten is kind of down this year. I do think they have an explosive offense, but as usual, their defense is going to leave them exposed. And I don't think they pull one of these upsets, man. But I hope they do for the sake of the Big Ten, just to bring some entertainment value to it. But here was the entertaining game. And when I mean entertaining game, I mean not. But holy Purdue. Purdue boils the L.I. and I 44 to 19. And this was a surprise facial here. No one saw this one coming. Purdue blew them away in the third quarter with 21 points. The stats look similar, but the score not so much. In other words, Purdue knows how to finish its drives. This is a bad year for Burton to Belly's beef. Wow. The Boilers, they're hanging in there. They might be the most inconsistent team in the Big Ten, though. I mean, one week they bring it, the next week they're off. The next week they bring it, the next week they're off. I don't really know what to think about them. What I do know is we need to go on to the next game. Yes, sir. This was kind of a fun game. He had Michigan State at Iowa. There was no Sparty party in Iowa, though. Iowa pulls away late, 26 to 16. Michigan outplayed. They out first down. They out rushed. They even out passed the Hawkeyes, but lost. What they didn't do was hold on to their damn balls. Count them four. Beave, four turnovers. Brian and the offense bailed out once again by this defense. It's the sequel we've all seen a million times. Beave, things could be getting worse for Iowa, though. They do lose McNamara on a non-contact injury. Beave, you got anything? Uh, Yes, I do. I do, in fact, have something. Iowa scored more than two points. I'm impressed. Color me impressed. Good job, Brian. I was not expecting that outing, even though it wasn't 
much, 26 to 16, was more than I was willing to bet on. But is it going to get worse? I don't see much out of McNamara. I don't think he's done much with Iowa. Kind of like he was all name team and no substance as a Hawkeye. I mean, he won some big games at Michigan, but nothing yet they've really done at Iowa. But they won the game. Now they need like 50 points in order for Brian to keep his job. So that's not happening. See you at Indiana, Brian. Well, Beef, you're still hungry. Wasn't a lot on the plate for this Big Ten schedule. So let's snack on some Brett Billima cupcakes. Minnesota survives a scare from the raging Cajuns. 35 to 24. Oh, yeah. And Rutgers gets a big scare. I mean, no, they don't. They beat a tough team. I mean, no, they don't. They destroyed Wagner 52 to 3. You know, that was the Big Ten game of the week right there. And we had it. We had it highlighted in everything on our script. We're like, yeah, we got to talk about this one. Beave, you hear that? It's time to break out the old ball trimmer. Trim the landscape. Are you actually holding your ball trimmer to the mic? That's gross, man. That's you know, gross. I'm not holding it there. I'm not holding it there. I'm just, you know, trimming the trimming the landscape, you know, trying to multitask, do a little podcast, trim a little bush. It's a ginger bush, too. <laughs> because if you're holding it to your mic, you know, you have to talk into that. That's gross. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. But let's get into these games, man. Let's get into this landscape. Number one, Georgia played at Auburn. Dogs winning a close one. 27 to the Tigers, 20. This is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Dogs showed up slow and sluggish in the first half. Auburn took advantage of two early turnovers and ran and ran these Tigers did all over that dog's defense for 5.1 per carry. But the end result is what matters, and Auburn couldn't figure out what a third down completion meant. Only going 2 for 12. Kirby and the Dogs didn't travel well, but you know what? They got the W in a rivalry game on the road in the SEC, and that's what matters, Beef. Yeah, man. I kind of called this. I said Georgia would barely win and remain number one for no reason whatsoever. And of course, ESPN spun this as a positive. They just can't get their tongues out of that SEC ass, man. They're not the same team as they were a year ago. Their defensive stats and their rushing yards, they just don't add up, man. Not to what it was last year. Georgia has allowed 219 rushing yards against these Tigers or Warhawk or whatever they want to call themselves. Make up their damn mind. What has Georgia been known for, though, the last two years when they won titles? Their defense and running the ball. And this defense is 37th in the nation in rushing yards allowed per game, averaging 173.8, 14th in the nation in points per game allowed at 13 points per game. The AP poll and the coaches poll, they got to get their shit together and stop tongue punching that fart box, man. Sorry, I kind of went on a little rant there, but. It's all good. I think you're right. There's no dominant team this year. That includes Georgia's defense. I wish the 12 team playoff was this year because there is a lot of parity in football. My 12 team playoff would be perfect for this year. Yes, it would. Let's talk about South Carolina at number 21, Tennessee. The Volunteers handled the Cox with ease, like they got experience, 41-20. to 20. Volunteers were back in SEC action and took on the Cox of South Carolina. Tennessee choked the Cox on third down, allowing them only to succeed two of their 15 attempts. The Volunteers' defense came to play, only allowing Rattler to get 5.6 yards per attempt. As Rattler goes, so do the Gamecocks go. 
boy, they had no go in this one, Beef. I believe this only adds to my rant from before. Georgia has played no one, and their stats are pedestrian for the number one team in the nation. But man, did you see that bomb by Milton? Man, I was like a 55-yard pass. That That's what he's known for. That's what they got to do. Just throw the ball up in the air and see if Milton can launch it to the end zone every time. But other than a good chance for a cock joke, this game meant nothing to me. So let's move right along. Well, Florida, they went on to play Kentucky. The Wildcats smacked the Gators 33-14. to Once again, the Gators take to the road. Well, it was a ride to another one of their shit shows. These Gators are acting like Kevin and Home Alone. These fools cannot pack a suitcase. Congratulations, Florida. You're an idiot. Kentucky's defense stopped every rushing attempt that came at them, only allowing 2.4 yards per attempt running. How do the Wildcats beat these Gators, though? They only had 69 yards passing. I mean, what the fuck kind of stat is that? You're telling me their quarterback only throws for 69 yards and they beat the Gators? Beef, what the? What in the world happened here? Yeah, that game planning for Florida, especially their defensive side of the ball, was laissez compétent. And man, kind of like a Graham Mertz stat line only, he actually had a pretty solid one this time. 244 yards this game, two touchdowns, but got that one interception. He was almost 80% completion percentage. But you know what did stand out and how they did win the game? Ray Davis, baby. Rushing for 280 yards, 280 yards and four touchdowns, man. That's a helmet sticker. Kentucky is going to be the only team to give Georgia a challenge this year. Let me say that again. Kentucky, the basketball school, is the only school that's going to give Georgia a challenge this year until the SEC championship game. So we might as well go ahead and put the Bulldogs in the playoff now. Kentucky is 10th in the nation in rushing yards allowed. They're only giving up 75.8 yards per game. 5-0. and Congrats, Mark Stoops. You got Kentucky on my hype train, baby. They got a big one next week. Hey, take it on them dogs. Cats and dogs, baby. Next week. Let's talk about Louisville. They traveled out to NC State. Cards dumped the Wolf back 13 to 10. This was a pretty fun game to watch score wise. Maybe not entertaining. Jeff Brom has these cards sitting 5 and 0, baby. Who called them a sleeper in the ACC? This guy. That's who I did. Check the tape if you don't believe me. But I said Louisville was going to be a sleeper. Another game though, two halves. Cards scoreless in the first. NC State scoreless in the second half. Then you have this weird 13 to 10 game out of it. The rushing defense in this game was insane, man. Cards only had 0.7 yards per carry beef, 0.7. But NC State didn't do much better with only 2.9. No wonder why no one could score. It was a get your lotion and tissue out kind of night because ain't nobody scoring. It's a damn shame. Really just a defensive battle. No stats on the O. Nothing decent to talk about as far as that beef. What you got? Yeah, that whole tale of two halves. We've had a couple games like that this season. I remember Florida State versus Boston College comes to mind. Man, the golden child of Louisville. He comes back and all of a sudden the cards are in the leader position for the ACC. Got to feel good being back at your alma mater, leading them 
right off the bat. I mean, he hit a walk-off. 5-0, and first year with the cards. But this was a sloppy offensive showing for both teams. Both quarterbacks had two interceptions. Each team lost a fumble. I mean, you can't score with no balls, right? It's like a bunch of eunuchs out there running around trying to get some. But the cards did it. They pulled it off. They got what they needed to get done. All right, let's get into the last game in this section, Beef. This is a Friday night game. Utah went out to Oregon State, get drenched by the Beavers. 21-7 to Beavers win. Called this one, Beef. It's kind of a little easy to call when half the Utah team is injured. But still a big win for the Beavers, who had complete control of this game from start to finish, only allowing 1.8 yards per rush. Looks like, as we predicted, the Pac-12 would finish itself off. And it's looking that way, Beef. Yeah, getting drenched by the Beavers, that is one of those lines you don't want to Google on your work computer. But I was wrong. You know, I thought Utah would squeak this out with a defensive win. They did not. They did not show up. They're not the same team on the road, like you both said, as they are at home. They lost. I was wrong. I thought the fighting Kyle Whittinghams would win this game in a close one. They got waxed, man. Like DJ Uyunglele was doing his job. Offensive line was doing his job, and they ran the ball well. Oregon State and the Beavers for the win. AJ and Beav, best quickies. Clemson. Proves themselves king of the orange and down Syracuse 31 to 14. Iowa State gets that sooner beat down 50 to 20. Not surprising, but sets up nicely for the Red River rivalry. Oregon quacks Stanford 42 to 6. Yeah, man. Oregon looking scary good. Number seven, Washington struggles to put away Arizona as they score with a minute to go and pull within seven in this 31 24 win for the Huskies. This, to me, was very surprising. But hey, even a blind squirrel gets a nut every now and then. And Arizona got their nut. They just couldn't capitalize. Number 12, Alabama. They roll. Hides roll against Mississippi State 40-17. to Yeah, and the Bama's sneaking slowly back into the conversation. Staying quiet about doing it, just like Saban likes. Told y'all, man, the SEC don't gonna let these guys hang around. Uh, but anyways, Beef think that kind of does it for the show. So let's get on out of here. God bless and good night. Big Ten Backers Podcast. Follow our sponsors at NIL Fanboat on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the thread. Also visit the website, NILFanboat.com. Oh, no Midwest goodbye today. Yeah.